0: Hi, I'm Michael Siddle And I'm Nick Nanos. And welcome to Trendline. So Nick, we're about two months into containment measures and now Canadian provinces and US states are easing restrictions, uh, despite some warnings in the US from their top health officials uh, that this isn't over. So that brings us to the border. How do Canadians feel about reopening the border at this time?
1: Well, first of all, we have to say that we are a nation fixated on the border because 90% of the population lives within a one-hour drive of the, uh, of the United States. So, uh, you know, for Canadians, we're realistically a border, I won't like say a border town, border country. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a survey that we recently did, let me just uh, share my screen for a sec. We did a, a, a recent survey for CTV News, mm-hmm. and uh, we asked about the, uh, about the views on the border. Can you see that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we asked about uh, keeping the border open or closed uh, until uh, the number of new cases in the US significantly drops. And we're talking about non essential travel, right? We're Mm -hmm. not talking about the travel that's necessary between trucks and goods and and, uh, people doing uh, essential travel, but non essential travel. But check out this you know, you can see 78% of Canadians outright support keeping the Canada U.S. border closed to non-essential travel Uh until the number of new new cases and only about uh, eight percent oppose or somewhat oppose. And, you know, when you roll up the somewhat support and the support, um, you know, you're talking about, you know, basically nine out of every 10 uh, Canadians um, supporting uh, border closures. So, you know, there you go.
0: So there's really no uncertainty there. Like hardly anyone is unsure about this.
1: Yeah, you know, I think the fact of the matter is, is that for most Canadians, after they pay attention to COVID in their community, COVID in their province, COVID in their country, the mm-hmm. other place that they look at is what's going on in the United States. And it's pretty clear that the United States is still in a period where uh, it has not necessarily flattened the curve, where there, you know, New York, for example, is a major epicenter, not just an American epicenter, but a global epicenter for the pandemic, the COVID mm-hmm. pandemic. And uh, Canadians are saying, okay, you know what, uh, once uh, once it looks like the United States is on a better track and has things under control, then we'd be more than happy to open things up. But until that happens, uh, people would like to see non-essential travel across the border restricted.
0: And we've seen from uh, U.S. President Donald Trump, he's been trying to put on this sort of brave face. He's He's not wearing a mask, despite... Uh, others in the White House now, aides, uh, being told to wear masks. Um, he started taking this this raw, raw strategy. We can do this. We're winning. And then you saw Dr. Anthony Fauci, their top uh, infectious disease specialist, testifying before uh, the Senate this week saying, you know, it's it's really not over. Uh, we really have to take this take this slow um which which brings us to i, I guess how political leaders are, are handling this situation now um because i i get the sense you know you you people need to get the economy going um but not at the expense of loss of life obviously so mm-hmm. so they're kind of walking this line and and, and yeah. how is that going
1: well you know the thing is just why don't we just put this into context uh for a second you know so more americans will dive die of COVID 19 than the, in the Vietnam War. And I always think of that as a oh. scarring episode on the American psyche.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, according
1: to The Economist magazine, there, more people will die of COVID-19 than in the London Blitz at its height. And even in Canada, you know, more Canadians will die, although we, we've done a good job, more Canadians will die probably of COVID-19 than we're lost in the Battle of the Atlantic. So, so you know, we tend to, it's, it's like we're almost desensitized mm-hmm. to this. But these are, are big issues, and you know, what we're seeing is, is that uh, there's a great heightened scrutiny on politicians, not just in terms of everything that they're saying every day, but do they walk the walk and talk the talk mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to giving everybody else advice, uh, but uh, are they following the advice that they're telling everyone else to give on, in terms of social distancing?
0: right and we saw uh ontario premier doug ford got into a bit of trouble with this um you know in, in, in ontario you're supposed to stick to your own household you're not supposed to there's no bubble merging as there as there is in in, in newfoundland right? Uh, right but on the mother's day uh weekend he had two of his daughters over and uh and he was quite open about this he, he you know he he said that you know i i would would i do it with elderly relatives no i wouldn't take a chance so how, will something like that stick to him af- after this is done, do you think? Well,
1: well I think it would have stick to him if he tried to deny or give an excuse or something like that. I think the mm-hmm. fact that he just straight up said what happened uh, helps him kind of manage this. And it actually humanizes him, right? It basically shows that the Premier, you know, every person in Ontario and in Canada and around the world is, is finding it difficult to cope with this. Uh, and that this is also the case for the for the Premier of Ontario. That said, if there was a pattern of behavior, if he kept mm-hmm. breaking the rules, mm-hmm. that that actually would stick with him. So uh, so why don't we just say that uh, I would expect that for now, I would Ontarians probably give him a little bit of a pass. Okay, so you did it once. Just don't make mm-hmm. it part of your regular behavior because we expect, as the Premier of Ontario, for you to be a role model. For the rest of the residents of Ontario hmm. uh, when it comes to behavior.
0: And we've seen we've seen leaders, as as I mentioned, uh Trump not wearing a mask. I think Pence is starting to wear a mask. I I heard. I, I could be wrong on that. But now we're seeing uh other leaders like uh France's President, Emmanuel Macron, uh wearing a mask in public because they're it's this, you know, oh, yeah. do as I say and what I do, right? Yeah. And and uh, in Quebec, uh, Francois Legault, Quebec Premier Francois Legault, also wearing a mask. Ah, yeah. Nick. <laughs> on our Zoom chat, Nick is showing uh, Macron looking very stylish in his mask. Is you can see the French yeah. flag colors on it. Very nice.
1: Yeah, you know, rely on the French to do a stylish mask, right? Now, I don't know what the Italians are going to do because the Italians are very uh, fashion and image and brand conscious too. So mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see what what comes out of uh, Italy. But you know it's just an example of, uh, of leadership where Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, uh, is, uh, is, is encouraging, you know, the French mm. to wear masks. And, uh, it goes back to the, you know, what I'll call the, the leading by example, yeah. uh, mantra. That's probably, uh, that's that not probably that is very important for politicians.
0: Mm. Uh, and, and as I said, Legault also wearing a mask this week. Um, but is it, is it if, if you're trying to um, uh, show optimism, let, let's say, that we are going to get through this, uh, I mean, how, how does it work if you have a, a, a Trump where he's refusing to wear a mask?
1: Well, you know, I think that's a bit problematic. But, you know, the thing is, is what we're seeing is, and, you know, uh, leaders, most leaders encouraging the wearing of masks in uh, public settings where, they're, where people interact with their neighbors. But, uh, you know, there's some some data that was quite eye-popping that we did a survey with the Globe and Mail that we just recently released. I was quite surprised. 57%, 57% of Canadians that uh, they're not wearing masks or gloves. Hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, you can see about one out of every five say that they're wearing a mask when they go outside of their home, another 10% say they're wearing gloves, 14% say they wear both, uh, but uh, I think this, this number is surprising because you know, the thing is, is that one of the things we have to watch out for is uh, as mm. countries and jurisdictions start to try to normalize and get the transition back to getting the economy functioning, mm-hmm. that people do not conflate that with, we're done, don't need to wear masks, don't need yeah. to do social distancing, everything's going to be okay, we're doing the transition back to normal. Uh, and I think it's going to be uh, incumbent on uh, on governments everywhere to say, this is the transition back. However, we still need individuals to be responsible, uh, to practice social distancing, uh, to wear gloves and masks in environments that they believe they should be wearing gloves and masks and uh, in, in order to fight this, because it's, it's, it's not over yet. So I would worry about, you know, the about the challenge between, on the one side, people's ambition and want to kind of get get back to work and normalize and say that we've won and then mm-hmm. there's the other thing public health priorities and making sure that canadians remain responsible in terms of their personal behavior and the wearing of masks and gloves and respecting social distancing so that so that uh, the the curve is flattened uh, as everyone wants to see it flattened
0: and we we've seen our top top public health officer Dr. Theresa Tam striking that note this week uh, saying it's, you know, Canadians need to continue physical distancing. Um, we're really not out of the woods yet. But it's also it's also tricky, right? Because health officers were not saying to wear a mask or early on. This is sort of a new development as well. I mean, it's well, it's, you know, it's only until this week that we saw go wearing a mask, uh, for example, and, and telling Quebecers maybe this is a good idea, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a pretty steep learning curve, and in, in, in especially North America to get used to this idea all of a sudden.
1: And I, well, I think the the upside is that uh, it seems as if there's more masks that are available. That mm. you know, if if uh, if Dr. Tam at the beginning had said get a mask, there are no masks to buy because
0: they mm-hmm. were bought up fast. I tried uh, myself. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like keep pressing the enter button on uh, on Amazon. Yeah. Get that, order that mask <laughs> please <laughs> um, so uh, but uh, you know the fact of the matter is is that the, the supply of masks is actually better now people are starting to make their own masks which is also mm-hmm. uh, a positive sign in terms of uh, public engagement mm-hmm. and uh, so it's almost kind of like if they had said to wo- wear a mask that might have created a, I won't use the word panic but would have created even more anxiety because you know Canadians would have been told by public health authorities to wear masks And even if they wanted to wear masks, it was just very hard to find. Fast forward Mm. now that we're into six weeks, six eight weeks into this, uh, there are more masks that are available, masks that are coming into the country, masks that the government is is procuring and bringing into Canada and making available. So, uh, so you know, I guess Mm. the timing is good when it comes to the normalization. We just might see more masks out there, Mm -hmm. uh, which is what the public health authorities want. But the good news is is that the supply is better than was uh, for Four months ago,
0: is uh, in, in terms of the overall number one issue that Canadians are thinking about right now, is, yep. is COVID nineteen still at the top of that list, or are economic concerns creeping up, or yeah? How, well,
1: let me share some uh, let me share some stats. You know the you know we talk about flattening the curve uh, for the pandemic itself. You know, you can see uh, in the numbers mm-hmm. that in uh, mid-April hit a high of 50%. So this is the top unprompted national issue of concern. Coronavirus, 50% of Canadians. You know, you see that, that I'll call it the rocket trend line going up. Mm-hmm. But uh, check out the numbers in the last four weeks. You can see that it's uh, basically dropped uh, about 17 points in uh, four weeks, which is significant. And you can see that blue line is the economy. You can see that creeping up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if these two trend lines continue, probably in about four weeks, we might see the economy be the number one issue of concern and uh, coronavirus perhaps number two, mm. uh, assuming that there isn't any new twist in that story. But uh, if there's such a thing as a public opinion curve, what we're seeing at Nanos is that is definitely being flattened uh, when it comes to... Uh, people's anxiety and important, the importance of uh, coronavirus as a top national issue of concern.
0: And how and how do Canadians feel about the economy now?
1: Well, um, you know, there's still a significant amount of anxiety. And let me show you some uh, some stats for Bloomberg that we do every week. And, uh, you know, what you can see, the uh, the blue line is the pocketbook, right? Mm-hmm. Are, you, are your personal finances better or worse off than they were a year ago? How's your job security? We've seen a little bit of a dip, but it's flattened. The red line is the forward look on, uh, on what I'll say the future strength of the Canadian economy and also on real estate values. So You can see that steep drop, but basically uh, a leveling off of negative sentiment. Put this into context. You can see on the left, 50 is neutral, so think of this as a 100-point scale. 50 is neutral, so mm-hmm. anything over 50 is positive. Anything below 50 is negative, and you can see right now on the expectations index, which is the forward look on where things are going, it's still significantly negative at around 25 points out of 100. So, uh,
0: hmm. so
1: if they, the drop is not continuing, but uh, it is stabilizing, but it's still pretty negative, much, much more negative than we've seen in the last decade when it comes to consumer sentiment.
0: Mm. So, what's your uh, prediction for the for the weeks ahead?
1: Well, my prediction for the week again, and uh, am I allowed to put like an asterisk, kind of like yeah?
0: This, yep. this <laughs> so,
1: assuming there is no new twist in the coronavirus from a health perspective, mm-hmm. um, what we're what the, the prediction is is that in the next number of weeks we will see a continued rise in the economy as an issue, and what I'll say a transition where. What started off as exclusively health anxiety mm-hmm. now will become a cocktail of economic and health anxiety and, mm-hmm. uh, and the trend lines, those two things starting to intersect.
0: Wow. Nick, as always, thanks very much. And, thanks, uh, and, and where can we find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at NIK Nick Nanos, or on the web at www.nanos.co.
0: And I'm also on Twitter at Michael And you can find us on the CTV News YouTube channel if you'd like to see some of the numbers and charts and things that Nick is showing. Thanks very much. This podcast is produced by Trevor Coral, Jesse Taharali, and Phil Hahn. Our executive producer is Liz Travers. Sound editing and video editing is done by Jesse Taharali. Thanks for listening.